does the thing say this is a wraparound episode? This isn't a wraparound episode, is it? I think so. No, no, no. We're on we're on schedule now, right? Mm. We're back into uh what is it called? Oh, how can I not remember this? Hmm. Uh not standard time. Come on, help me. Daylight saving time? No, no, the church word. Ordinary time. Right? Oh. Hmm. Well, we have one that's in pre-production for release two days from now. So yeah, anything that, we talk about... The, that's how the show always goes, though. We always record. Don't we always record? We've always been at war with the schedule. I guess it seems like, no. We Usually, we've gotten some feedback on the last thing we recorded before we recorded. This, we had to jam it up because it was summertime. Uh, but I thought we were back in normal. Anyway, ordinary time comprises two periods. The first period begins hmm. on Epiphany Day, or the day after the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord, and ends the day before Ash Wednesday. The second period begins on the Monday after Pentecost, the conclusion, dot, 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 ordinary time, Wikipedia. That's amazing. You remembered all of that from your I, training. I, rem- I remembered to write it, to read it from the first search results in Google. That's what I remember. Yep, 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 yep. There's a lot of confusion to me, with the dates, because for being a uh, you know, uh, Judeo-Christian type situation, there's a lot of moon-related activity, isn't there? Isn't there a lot of moon stuff with the dates? You're, you're thinking of the pagans. Yeah, am I? Yeah. Okay, well, isn't Epiphany, like Easter, a, a movable feast? Oh, I don't know. Let's look it up. Let's go to the Internet Science site. Epiphany. Well, yeah, there's a lot of pagan stuff in Christianity. Well, let's not get crazy. Uh, not that epiphany. I want the epiphany. Epiphany <laughs> is the epiphany. The the, uh, the knockoff '80s singer. It, is that the one that sang at the mall? Yeah, I should have covers of Tiffany songs. <laughs> is that a joke? That's good. <laughs> is it a joke? I don't know. And, <laughs> and the internet is in there. Some kind of like uh, hmm. internet law that says that has to exist now. Or am I thinking of? Uh, oh, it's rule the, rule thirty eight. Yeah. Epiphany or, oh, it's Three Kings Day. Yes, my daughter told me this. Uh, It's a Christian feast day uh, that celebrates the revelation of God incarnate as Jesus Christ. So when is the date? Because Easter, isn't isn't there some kind of like jam up with Easter being a certain number of like, it has to be like three rains after Groundhog Day. And (laughs) I mean, isn't there something? It's it's 12 sleeps. Yeah. 12 sleeps. Mm Mm-hmm. Five gold rings. Uh, Epiphany. It's a type. It's a church service, a winter swimming, chalking the door, house blessings, star singing. You go with five gold rings instead of five golden rings? I know a lot of songs have it, have it, have it do- different ways depending on when you're singing it. Uh, See, if you figure, it depends on whether you're trying to economize. Golden, as you know, it, that's a weasel word. It's one of those things like antiqued. You know? No, no. Or chocolicious. There's a reason they're not saying chocolate. It's just a word. And when you need the number of syllables, there it is waiting for you. Hmm. You really are a uh, 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 I'm, I'm a said magician. <laughs> I'm so glad you're, <laughs> you're not a magician. You're not a juggler. You're not a, you're not a juggler, are you? <laughs> my daughter, when I, when I greeted my daughter at school today, um, she said goodbye to her friends at Aftercare. And she said something that was a, uh, that was a, that was a funny rhyme. And I told her she sounded like a wizard. And I suggested that maybe she should talk like that all the time. You know? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be kind of... Like, everybody needs a bit. Everybody needs a thing. Like, she'd be that particular person. She'd be the wizard girl. Like, she always talks like she's doing reading from a scroll or something. Do wizards rhyme a lot? Is that a thing that wizards do? Sure. 
Don't you think so? You got to answer me these questions three, that kind of thing. Mm, you don't think what? wizards rhyme? They're the original rappers. I'm going to go with like... Uh, Sorry, hip hoppers. The, the leprechauns rhyme? <laughs> uh, no, but they definitely have a certain cadence. Always after me, lucky charms. Mm-hmm. Epiphany. So I'll search for moon. No, there's no moon search on here. What is the date for epiphany? Oh, Egyptian dates. Okay. What you should be going for is uh, when you're not in ordinary time, what are you in? That's what you should be looking at. Dis- disordinary time? Mm-hmm. Let's see. Let's find out. We should talk about religion. I'll add that to the list. It used to be on Usenet. You know how well these things go. Mm-hmm. Religion. How does it even work? Okay. Ordinary time. And... Ordinary people. Yeah. Um, ordinary time. Okay, well, then let me look up Easter. You you handle Ooh. that, and I'll look up Easter. The Kingdom Tide exception. How about how do you feel about Kingdom Tide? Ooh, tell me more about Kingdom Tide and the exception there, too. Some Protestant denominations, most notably the United Methodist Church, <laughs> set off the last 13 or 14 weeks of ordinary time into a separate season known as Kingdom Tide. <sighs> Man. That's really confusing. Kingdom Tide. Okay, date computations for Easter. Okay. Uh, so in 725... Bede or Bede succinctly wrote, the Sunday following the full moon, which falls on or after the equinox, will give the lawful Easter. He wrote succinctly. There you go. This does not precise, and then they got a well, actually. However, this does not precisely reflect the ecclesiastical rules. The full moon, referred to as the paschal full moon, is not an astronomical full moon, but the 14th day of a calendar lunar month. Another difference is the astronomical equinox is a natural astronomical phenomenon, which can fall on 1920 or 21 March, while the ecclesiastical date is fixed by convention on 21 March. And there's a section on controversies over the date. We should probably save it for a religion episode. Yeah, because that's what it'll focus mostly on is uh, liturgical calendars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like candle nights, right? It's like, you, you know, you know when it comes. I, I, hmm, I don't know. It's confusing. You know, you know, a nice feeling, a nice feeling is, is uh, you, got a, you got a long weekend. You maybe had a little more time than you'd like with your family. It gets to be uh, Labor Day night, and it's like, I'm trying to be good about this, right? And, and so I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to our podcast, which now will have been released, but is still not released as we record this. And I, I find myself having to explain to my daughter why I can't tickle her right now. And I, I say it's because I have to listen to my podcast. And then, I, and then I feel the need to explain to her that I need to listen to this. Because first, I go, I write down everything we talked about. I capture titles that interest me. I add links to the show notes. And then I have to go through and write that. And that's why I can't tickle you, honey, because daddy's got to listen to the poop talk for two hours. <laughs> we had a bright and tight one. That one was like 90 minutes, the one you just have already heard two weeks after the one we're recording right now. Before. It's before. A, well, it's, I feel like this is part of the grand tradition that I seem to recall of at least very young children. Maybe not your daughter. She's older now. But kids not understanding what it is their parents do. And you're just yeah. doing really well at that. Because even if your dad, like, works in the school, if they're not a teacher, the yeah. odds are the, chil- the children don't understand right. what the dad does. Like, So you're, you're in the school, but you're not a teacher and you're not the principal. Those are the jobs I know in the school. What else does the school need to run? Uh, or anywhere, any kind of job. Kids don't know what their parents do. So I feel like maybe uh, our kids have a better chance of understanding what we do. Um, my daughter's listening to the podcast now. Not my podcast. Good. Thankfully, yes, exactly. 
but podcast nonetheless. So now she knows what a podcast is. Yeah. Yeah. My daughter's listening to lots of Disney um, tween soundtracks. Listening to mostly unboxing podcasts where they uh, unwrap, uh, oh my unwrap gosh. toys. Life, life hacks videos. She's now very into the sand slicing videos. She's doing her own sand the, slicing. The, the sand slicing? You get that kinetic sand and there's videos. It's like an ASMR thing. It's videos of people making a shape out of kinetic sand and then kind what of... What is kinetic sand? Is it like the magnetic stuff? Yeah, it's that. It's kind of like moon sand. It's it's really uh, you can find plenty of explanations out there. But it's uh, it's this kind of sand that like it's really it's fun to play with. It packs real tight, and then you can do stuff like slice it, and it doesn't get like messed up. It's pretty easy to clean up. You just kind of like rub it around, and it picks up all the little nubbins. She's very into that. She made me watch a video about how you can make a large fake fidget spinner uh, out of sand. There's a lot of things about fidget spinners on YouTube. Here's the other thing that I'm realizing is, and, and you know me and the concern about, of course, passing my anxieties on, maybe even in an amplified form. Like we very, very rarely talk on the phone. This, this is kind of related to the jobs thing. But like, you know, I'm, I, she knows what I do and she knows you. She gets the Johns confused because I have way too many Johns going on. But she's like, oh, is John Roderick the one who didn't tell his kids about the Star Wars movies? Like, oh, no, 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 that's that's we're, we're very similar. I can see the confusion. There's a lot. You guys have so much in common. You got mm-hmm. skiing, horn dogs, mm-hmm. and and uh, and she knows what I do, and she's you know heard me talk, and you know she has feelings about my my co-host. Mm-hmm. And uh, but like today, uh, f- long story short, uh, believe it or not, I had a delivery problem today where FedEx said they delivered something and they hadn't delivered it. I was very diligent about looking for the thing. I they got weren't even supposed to be in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get the green-haired guy today. The green-haired guy who throws things at me was not the guy today. It was a different guy. But but I was on the phone. And I, it's very concerning for her. Because, of course, as we discussed in the episode that recently came out that isn't out yet, the kids just talk and are used to you just I guess listening all the time for whatever is on their mind right now, and she'll go ah, blah, 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 from the next video, and I go shh, shh, shh. Talk, I'm on the phone, and she gets very nervous when I'm on the phone because I I don't know I mean we talk so rarely on the phone that I think she knows something must be up if we're on the phone. Does she not know like the phone etiquette? Like when someone else is on the phone, you don't just talk to them. Well, you know if I'm on hold with FedEx, but she's had to learn a little bit. I don't want to say too much because of OPSEC. But, uh, you know, you get jobs in class. And she's the messenger in her class. She's been the banker. Oh, that's, that's a hell of a designation. It's such a good that, job. It's, speaking, of, speaking of religion, she's the messenger? She's the messenger. Well, it's, she's, she's been the banker. And she's been... Uh, the banker the, is a less nice title. She's been messenger. the cop. She's also been the cop. So, also a bad title. Well, I, they call a police person or something. Mm-hmm. But the messenger, I think, is a sweet gig. Because, like, what is the best thing... I mean, you think about the, the best things when you're a little kid in school are disruption times, like last day of school, day before Christmas vacation, everything's all messed up. But also anytime you get to leave the classroom for something, wasn't that always the best? Like to get like, oh, will you take this note to the principal's office or something like that? So that's I one like of her movies. jobs. I like movies. Yeah, I like, movie start, I like having to leave the classroom. I like the days when they would just wheel the TV in on the big cart. Oh, like, I love oh, those yeah. days. Film strips, man. Learned so much mm-hmm. about the metric system. Boop. And so uh, one of her jobs that she does less often is she has to t- like take a note to the office or whatever. But you know what else her job is? She answers the phone in the classroom. There's a phone in the classroom? There's a phone in the classroom because sometimes the office calls. It's like a red phone? I don't know if it's red. Um, but she, she has to answer the phone. There's a certain way she's supposed to answer the phone. This is the first time she's ever answered the phone in her life. 
So now she's she's had to learn like like what you say when you answer the phone. She, what does she do? And she basically mushy mushy. Sorry, you reached Fiji. No, she says. Uh, what does she say? She says something like she, says, she picks up the phone and says, "Go, yeah, go, go for Eleanor." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, this isn't interesting. But no, that's I, I would love that job. Well, no. So, but getting back to this, though, so she has to answer the phone, right? So presumably, she's become good at it. Did they have? Did they go have like a little mini instruction session? Like, this is how you answer the yes. phone. This is what you say. That's, yeah. that's what I think all children need. That especially my children who have no idea how to talk on the phone. I, I wondered if this was just my kid and my helicopter parenting, I think most kids don't know how to interact with people, especially adults. That's kind of true, but the phone is a particular case because they learn how to interact in other media, and it's not for lack of trying to teach them. They, as with so many things, don't want to hear their parents tell them how to do anything. And so when you try to nicely perhaps guide them to a, a way they can be more successful on the phone one piece at a time not everything at once not like oh dump this information i mean just just like maybe when someone hands you the phone even if you're not the one picking it up maybe say hello maybe maybe if you're picking up the phone say hello like we'll start small here like the phone is ringing you pick it up uh you successfully learn how to pick up the phone like cause it's not just picking it up anymore you got to push a little button on the thing right you should probably say hello and that suggestion is just met with anger and and fierce rebukes about it's another it. one of those things that it reads it reads as punishment it reads as like you're mad at me or something like i when i answered the phone uh, i was not supposed to answer the phone so long story but like when i did answer the phone i uh, i would say man's residence merlin speaking like starting from when i was about 7 or 8 and that was that's what you do, and you you be polite. And and then I learned, and I knew that when you call wait, somebody wait, wait, on the phone, can, can you spell the first word of your greeting when you picked up the phone? Yes, M A N N apostrophe S. I might have said man residence. I might have, I don't remember. I was a kid because isn't it doesn't it belong to more than one person in the man family? I should have said man residence. Sing, yeah, should be M A N N S apostrophe. You're right. You know what? I screwed and up. And really, if someone doesn't know who you are, it just sounds sexist. Hmm man's residence <laughs> i had no idea how problematic i was yeah. gosh I'm, I'm learning a lot second uh, n is the only thing saving you there but yeah but anyway so she had to learn that but like i just sent you okay so i just sent you a screen grab from earlier this is it's funny to me that my kid we don't do a lot of talking on the phone sometimes you'll talk to a relative or a grandparent she's terrible at that she's better at facetime but like this is an example of an afternoon with my daughter on the ipad she's in paper using multiple different media to draw this little unicorn cat, which actually turned out pretty good for freehand on an iPad. Mm-hmm. And then she sent me a link to this rap battle song uh, from this Disney movie that she likes. Mm-hmm. She can do that. She knows how to send me a link <laughs> to an Apple Music song. She knows how to draw on the iPad and then send me a picture of it. But she's talked on the phone like maybe 10 times ever. That's weird. Yeah, it just doesn't, ha- doesn't have any reason to do it. And then they don't, I mean, maybe they don't see on television. I mean, not that the TV and movies are the way to do it because, you know, famously no one says goodbye in the movies on the phone. Right. But they do say hello when they pick up a lot mm-hmm. of the time, right? So they kind of know that whole move, pick up the phone, say hello, but they just don't run across that. Maybe it's all texting and they just never have any reason to uh, to see it. And so they don't know how to imitate it and they don't want to be taught it. And it just maybe it's not relevant to their lives. No, it's it's absolutely not. No, it's it's, it's more, more me. It's just that, you know, it's, it's another one of those... Um, clues to me though that i need to check myself in terms of like what it is that i have to uh, teach and you know 
in view upon the person, but like she doesn't want to go pick up the Postmates. I'm like, hey, can you run downstairs and get the Postmates? And she's like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I was like, you you have to deal with people. Like when we're in a restaurant, you have to order your food and you have to say please and thank you. Like mm. <sighs> you're really teaching her about that as you uh, order all your things to be delivered to your house by uh, random people. I tip, I tip 15%. I'm very polite. And I say things like, woo, pretty hot. Try and stay cool today. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I almost always say, thanks for coming out so fast. I say it all the time. I got recognized not long ago. Did I tell you that? That's a major award. <laughs> I did. I did. Fragile. Yeah, I got I got recognized. It made me feel really good. Oh, you mean like they... Uh, <laughs> this is like the messenger. There's multiple meanings. And I got recognized. Like, hmm. I you, don't get recognized you just, much. You just mean someone someone delivered like your, you know, roll of paper towels in a giant mm-hmm. cardboard box. And That's they right. said, you used to be Merlin Mann. And you say, indeed, I did. Indeed. I did used to be. I did used to be. I did used to be that. Uh, it's probably one of my top five uh, getting recognized. It was really uh, nice because it, it was actually somebody who I, I'm not, I, I hate the whole star system. I hate the whole, like, you can't use this thing again until you rate this person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? The lift ride was fine. I didn't die. They they had a vape rig. I don't know what to give for a rating. Uh, t- two two lift rides ago, I had a guy. I went and looked at his profile on Lift before he picked me up. He's very into making rap music. I'm pretty sure he had his own song on repeat for the entire ride, like pretty loud. That's just good marketing. It's smart. It's smart brand uh, placement. But like, what do I say? Like, I, what am I going to say? Oh, I really didn't want to listen to a rap song on repeat. I probably should have said something. Anyway, I don't like that whole thing. Sometimes when there is especially good service or I like the person, and I think that's a nice person, I will go and I'll give the five stars and I will say, this person was really nice and fast. And they called me about my order and it was really good. So I'd had this lady once before and she was very, very sociable and nice. And then she came back another time and she said, and maybe it's because I'd given her five stars before. She said, I've had you before. And I said, yes, you were really nice and I gave you a good review and you you were really nice. And she said, I, I knew, I know you. And I said, you know me? She said, I know you. Yes. <laughs> when she was working on her master's degree, uh, she found 43 folders very helpful. Hmm. Now go ahead, make the joke. Go ahead. Good thing she's applying that with Postmates. <laughs> I wasn't thinking that, you monster. Oh, but that was I mean, nice. She had a graduate degree, but you didn't say what. I mean, it could have been know like she finished Eng- it. English literature. So you know. It could have been like, you know, I don't know, art supply chain. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if she finished it or not. The single best one, the single best recognizing I ever had. You guys talked about this a little bit on ATP. It was very funny. Mm-hmm. It was very funny when you guys, we talked about <laughs> <laughs> somebody to Google you to see your face so you can pick up your. I just, I just didn't want to drive home. Who wants to drive home again? It's such a hassle. You gotta Nobody wants dri- to drive get, home. Find again. parking in the mall and get all the way into the mall and you know get yeah. to the Apple Store and get to the front of the queue and get ready to pick up your thing. It's like, oh no, you gotta go. you gotta get online. Yeah, I I know. Anyway, nobody cares. The best, okay, it's the best one, best one. I, I this is the best one ever. The best one ever was. Uh, when my daughter was very young, when she was about mm, maybe three or so, we used to have daddy-daughter night, which was every Friday night, she and I would go to dinner somewhere. We would have daddy-daughter dinner. And uh, one night we went to our, our regular place and I said, uh, can we please get her uh, the pancake thing with, uh, with, with the milk? And this girl, and she was cute and like 20. And she goes, do you have a podcast? And I said, Me? I well, do. I never. I, a podcast? Oh, my stars and garters. Yes, I do. She's like, did you do a thing with like two other guys where you, is it, you look nice today? And I said, 
I nearly passed out. I was so, I was so excited. And I was like, yes, yes. I have a podcast called You Look Nice Day. And she's like, my friends and I listen to that when we go on road trips. And it was the best thing. She recognized my voice, John Syracuse. That's pretty nice. That's pretty nice. And my kid was not impressed at all. She was more into the pancakes. Yeah. Well, how old was she at this point? Yeah. She's like three. Yeah. She doesn't care about it. She's dingling. Stupid podcast. What's the best recognizing? What's the best recognizing you ever got uh, outside of like a WWDC? Uh, What's the most surprising? Zero. Never. Oh, God. Come on. I don't. No one recognizes me. Why would they? You're There's very noticeable. Nine billion people on the planet. I'm only only time anyone's gonna recognize me is the WWDC. You you look like um like I don't a, go out too. That's yeah, but thing. you're Maybe like a, you're out. like a big bird. You're like a man sized muppet. You're very recognizable. People know you, and you got that voice. You sound like Squidward. Of course, people are gonna recognize you. No, and you're very I mean, very if, tall. If they, they know they how do, lanky if they you do, are. They're being they're being nice, and not introducing themselves to me. So mm. maybe it's happening. I'm not knowing it. But most likely, just not happening. Yeah. Even like I said, even in Apple stores where it would be sometimes be convenient, like when I forget my ID and they make me go back and get it, uh, it doesn't happen there because all the people who work there are so young they have no idea who I am. I, I am so sickened by Apple stores. I used to get recognized at Apple stores all the time. Yeah, that's when Never. all people work there. But now yes. it's youngsters and youngsters don't care about you. Well, and I'm not on popular podcasts anymore. But but back then, uh, yeah, it would happen all the time, and I got to, I got to be pals with the manager of our local who are Utilikilt, very handsome man. And mm-hmm. uh, he knew me from uh, a Mac podcast I did. And, uh, but that just doesn't, doesn't happen anymore. No. No, they're not watching. They're all watching YouTube channels. If you're on YouTube, yeah. they know who you are. Is that right? Is that like, a, like an MKBHD? Uh, anybody. That's a YouTube any, oh, guy. That's a YouTube, YouTube guy. Uh, if you're not on YouTube, you don't exist. I know. Young people are concerned. So. <sighs> Five-minute life hacks. Sickening. <laughs> This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can enter the offer code DIFFS, D-I-F-F-S, at checkout. That's going to get you 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace because Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and so much more. Maybe you want to create an online store, a portfolio, a blog, whatever you want to do. They got you covered. It's an all-in-one platform. It lets you do just that, just your stuff. There's nothing to install. There are no patches to worry about and no upgrades needed. They have you covered. They also have award-winning 24 by 7 customer support if you need it. You you probably won't need help because it's really pretty easy to use. Honestly, I I figured it out. It lets you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. You're going to want that. And all of their award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. I've been using Squarespace for years and years. I don't even know how many years. I love it to death. My personal site is on Squarespace. My podcast, Roderick on the Line, is on Squarespace. And my ungainly X-Man meetup site, you guessed it, all on Squarespace. I would trust them with my life, uh, at least more than I trust myself. And the crazy part is that Squarespace plans start at just $12 per month, but you can go right now and start a trial with no credit card required. You go to squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up, use the very special offer code DIFFS, that's D-I-F-F-S, that's going to get you 10% off your first purchase, and it will show your support for reconcilable differences. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So, you know, so I'm, I'm a little bit obsessed with your uh, your uh, foolishly sent iMessage screenshot now. Uh, uh, who has oh God, a drawing? I should have cropped. I should have cropped. Who has a drawing as their avatar and who has a photo? 
some people get to have their own personally selected PR photo as their photo. Mm-hmm. Other people get to have their own personally selected drawing. Still, other people get to have their not personally selected drawing. How are these choices made? That's a very good question. In some cases, I do a bespoke edition of a photo, but very, very rarely. Uh, one thing I like that is going away or has gone away in iOS 11 that I'm going to really miss is if you put somebody's Twitter handle into their contact... It would pull their avatar photo from there, yeah. Yeah, and then you go into settings, drill down into Twitter, and you say update contacts, and it puts uh, the Twitter avatar in. That's what, so is that how, that how Todd got his picture? Because that's his Twitter picture? Todd's picture is his Twitter picture. My wife's, my wife's bitmoji I put in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max and Alex, I think that's their Twitter pictures. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you got a custom one. I did, definitely, because mm-hmm. that's not my Twitter avatar. That's, that's about, the uh, dress-up doll. Yeah, what about Dan? Uh, that's, uh, that's not his current Twitter avatar. Maybe he's an old that's one. That's a Bill Wadman uh, portrait that I liked of Dan, and I made his his avatar. That's the. But you know what I do sometimes? Like the other day, I was uh, waiting for the movie to start, and I had some time to kill. And so I went into all my... Whenever I get something that's like a notification thing from a company, I always give it the name of the company... And I robot. So I went and I looked at all my robots, and I saw how many of those did not have the correct art. So I, I, I sat there. Uh, I sat there for twenty five minutes before the movie started. I made sure you get simple, you get PG and E, you get AT and T. Everybody gets mm-hmm, yeah. the, the correct diet. Comcast, Comcast with, em- with emoji, right? Uh, that's my Eero. With my Eero, you oh, get all right, custom. Eero. Yeah, I saw. I saw you do that. Say, oh, you can name your devices in Eero. So I looked in it and I said, oh, you can name your devices. And just as I was about to start to do it, I said, when do I ever look at these devices? Oh, on come on! I look at mine twice a day. And I said, never. I never look. Oh, at you never look. So you I don't didn't. go in and compulsively check your. Oh, because no, you got if FiOS. It, if, if something is wrong, mm-hmm. I might go in there. But if everything is right, I have no reason to ever launch that app. Hmm. The only the last time I launched it was when I upgraded my gear to the new version of Euro, and I wanted to see, hey, is it better than the old? And so I took note of what the, the speed test was before and then replaced it with the new and took note after. And I said, this is an improvement. And then I, now I'm never going to look at that app again. Hmm. 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 Who else is there? I should, I should have cropped this before I sent it. Uh, I want, one more thing you have to explain yeah. is... You can, can you give names to conversations? Like you have a conversation yes. with two other people and you've given it a name with uh, an emoji. Yes, you can totally does, do that. Does, does everyone in the, in the conversation see that? That's a really good question. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Because sometimes Max screws up and he responds to the wrong thread and he starts up another thread and I have to yell at him to go back to do by Friday Actual. I don't know. Which, let's try it. This do by Friday Actual thing, like, the faith that you have that the other people on the end of this thing even are, are even in the same like it's not split up into three separate windows like one like Alex just sees one conversation with Max one conversation with you and then you talking about message syncing just I have such frustration where I'm communicating with a single person through every permutation of my seven Apple IDs and my phone number and their three Apple IDs and their phone number yeah because remember like if your Apple ID is like at mac.com it is also at me.com and it's also at icloud.com so there's three right there off the bat and then you have the telephone number just it's madness all right i really i really wish iMessage worked on log based on a logical person not on like quote-unquote physical destination address because i really don't care if i'm communicating with somebody at their apple id or their phone thing unless i do care in which case i want to be able to send a specific one most of the time i want it all coalesced all right this is confusing 
So I've got you, I'm getting all greens for you here, and it's coming up with the Todd, you, Todd, and me conversation. Oh, this is very confusing. Greens? What do you mean greens? Well, I was going to try and set this up. No, it's you, me, and Gruber, and Todd. This is, what is happening? I, I tried to make a new conversation with three different John Syracuse addresses, and it's auto-completing it to be a conversation we had in mm-hmm. a long time ago. I can't get this to work. No, I'm uh, anyway. I'm still waiting for the iMessage uh, iCloud syncing that's not going to be in iOS 11 on launch. Like that was one of the features I was most excited for. What is it? Tell me what it does. Uh, it makes it so iMessage on all your computers looks the same. That's the the pitch. Okay. So like if you if you're wherever you are, you're on some device doing iMessage, and you're like la di da talk 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 talk, and then you put that device down, and then later in the day you pick up some other device. And you open it up. I want to see that same talk, 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 la di da in the mm-hmm. same order with the same people in iMessage on that other thing. That's never been true. And they promised that that would be true. Like, hey, now your iMessage will look the same everywhere. Instead of you seeing, oh, here's half a conversation on this device, half on that device, one message on this lot? one. You, you get that a lot. All the time. Hmm. get that. I just set up a new Mac at work and oh, I God. opened iMessage and, and I was like, oh. There's nothing here. Oh, God. I mean, it starts <laughs> like slowly conver- populating. All my conversations are gone. No, they're never going to come back. They're never going to appear. Why? And all day they weren't there. That's crazy. It just takes a long time, but it will eventually no. go bloop, bloop, bloop. You see from a no, month ago? No, it will, it will not. Why? You got because Hackintosh? It's like, it's like device specific with the, the encryption keys. And if your thing wasn't online at the time they came, that they're adding this feature where they're going to sync it to the cloud so you can pull down all your conversations. That's oh, coming in iOS 11, but not on launch. They advertise it in the in the keynote. Yeah. Anyway, I have a lot of computer frustrations these days. I'm setting up a new setting up a, setting up a new computer. Yeah, I'm going to talk about them in ATP. But. All right, all right, all right. I'm just saying that that photo was very stressful to me. You you have a. a laptop with a lot a lot of dongles that's like the that's like the end state that's like the after after fighting with it for i, I went into work two days this, <sighs> over this labor day weekend just to fight with my computer mm. and what you described about having to self-assign ip addresses to try and get two to talk to each other that sounds bananas because yes, they're, they're on different networks oh god <clears throat> my message stuff is better than it used to be that's for sure i it's but it's one of those things where i get weird i message things just barely often enough to make me go, uh, like, you know, it used to be that it was just not on, it was not uncommon for things to just not show up or show up in the wrong place. That's mostly gotten better for me, but like, I, I still, it's a classic one of those, like, I don't know what went wrong and I'm not sure how to even begin to find out what went wrong. I still get those occasionally, but it's a good, it's a good service. I think I, I just heard me now and now I'm in my max, uh, doc icon, for the messages application, it shows a badge with a red one on it. And in the window for messages, nothing is unread. Oh, that drives me bananas. You, you might have to scroll down. You might have a robot notification. Nope. Nope. Mm. Nope. Scroll, 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 scroll. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Mm. I don't like the contacts app. I think it's ugly. I think it's ugly and I think it's kind of hard to use. And I think it's not very smart. And I think the fact that it's 2000 mother effing 17 and you still can't have a what's the word i'm looking for uh some not semantic but the company can't mean company you could do this on now up to date and now contacts in 1995 Mm -hmm. it's still it's bananas to me that i can't say just show me everybody who works at omni group without having to go in and manually do that it gets confused oh this is and then if i go to contacts cleaner which i 
compulsively do to clean out my contacts, it goes, oh, you know, now you've got these two, your cat groomer and uh, the other cat groomer share an email address. So it's like, no, <laughs> like why? That's that's actually meant to be that way. Like, why is that confusing to you? I don't know. Maybe I'm just stupid. I, I just think this this contacts, I don't know. Maybe it's better on Sierra. But no, it's the same weird app. And like I and Apple's apps, Apple's, Apple's basic apps occasionally do cool things that you don't realize. Uh, like I think Calendar has gotten a lot of the I will parse your your chicken scratching the sentence and to figure out what what you mean. Yeah. But then I get then I get too confident. And today I wrote like a reminder that was like 7 a.m. Uh, you know, do the thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And it made an event called 7 a.m. Do the thing. I'm like, oh, come on. Like, I'd forgotten the correct incantation. Do the thing at 7 a.m. Probably would have worked or whatever the correct incantation is. But 7 a.m. Do the thing. Nope. Sorry. Oh, d- uh, ditto with uh, reminders. Reminder says, that's what I'm saying. Those reminders says no idea okay, how to do that. I see. Right. So reminders. Type- are, well, it's again, reminders, like 30% of the time I nail it the first try. But then other times it's just like, you know, uh, you know. Pick up kid at 4 p.m. Oh, that's you should know what a p.m. is. Should I take the space out? Like, what did I what did I do wrong there? Yeah, it's hard to even tell. And then you have to use those terrible dates. I thought you were, I thought you were talking about calendar. The thing that calendar growing. does, I'm a calendar, on... calendar does a better job at that. But I mean, I use Google Calendar most of the time. And it's hard for me even just to keep track of the different ways I have to phrase things and all the little text adventures in my life yeah. just to avoid using a damn date picker. Mm-hmm. Oh, Siri I know. does a pretty good I know. job. Try having a podcast uh, called Do By Friday. I am impressed. So, like on my adorable, I'm running pretty close to stock. Like I have very little. I don't even have text expander on there. Like there's very little that I'm doing on there. So I will frequently I'll pull up the calendar app because I like travel time. I'll use that. But sometimes it gets a little too confident about wanting to autofill something, and it like I I, I mean I guess this is smart. Like if you have exactly the same event, which is dinner dinner with the grandparents at 7 p.m. on Sundays. But like it'll fill pretty much every field exactly how it was filled before, I think, including invites. So you got to kind of ride that and you have to, have to verify that. But uh, yeah. Are you do are you, you running High Sierra? No, I haven't even looked at that. I don't think I installed the betas anywhere. I'm just, no, I'm sitting that one out until it's uh, released because of the APFS business. Yep, yep. That's smart. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I yeah, I finally got uh, Sierra on my work computer. Previously, I couldn't upgrade because my computers were too old. So I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm like a year behind everybody. Like on this Sierra, well, that's not true. My wife's computers had Sierra, so I know what it's it's like. But it's fine. It's yeah, it's fine. It's not. You know, I remember. Gosh, I remember. I was working at um, Adaptive Path. And I remember coming in. I think it was when what was the one the black was it? It was what was the first one of the first really. Big one, circa 2003. Was that Tiger? Panther. Maybe Panther. That that added a lot of cool stuff and was really stable, right? Wasn't that one of the really good ones? Uh, You're thinking of Tiger, I think. I think it's Tiger. But anyway, yeah, I remember uh, Jesse Garrett and I think Jeff Veen and me, we had like this basically this software install party. Like, because, you know, there was such an event when a new, especially in OS X's early days, when a new uh, OS X came out, it was like, it was like such a big deal. We were sitting there. It was so fun. We were like sitting there swapping the discs around, you know, doing the install. It was such an event. And now today, like, I just, I'll wait as long as I can. I mean, I'm running Sierra on this 5K iMac. Sorry, sorry, El Capitan on the 5K iMac. And I just, uh, I just, I wish, I, I, I'm sorry when I send things and it doesn't send the preview and messages. But apart from that, like, I, I wonder how much I'm really missing out on here. I just don't want to break my cherry pie and all my other little janky stuff. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, I think I would still upgrade right away if I could, but uh, when I can't, I tell myself like, oh, isn't it nice that you don't have to worry about things changing and it's nice and stable, but I'm slowly missing features, especially in photos. I want that application to get better. Yes. Faster. And so I need to upgrade to get it because now it's tied to the OS release and all that business. One of the many things that sucks about being acquainted with you is, is um, the way you have over time, not you have made me this way, but I have become you mentioned things, you know, you, it's like, you know, where you don't want to point out a scratch on something because now the other people are going to see it. You will bear that burden. Now, yeah, the limitations in photos, I just, I, I really feel you on that. It's such a... I spent a, lot of, I spent a lot of time with that program. That's why I know, because I have a lot of photos, right? Well, this and is something you, I say with Dan all the time, and I probably said it with you too. I mean, that's the thing is when people are like, right, works fine for me. And my, I might... I try to not to say this too much because it's not not very kind or useful, but it's like, you don't use this as much as me. If you use this as much as me, you would not say this is fine. It works for me. Like, and you don't even have to be an edge case on a lot of this stuff to really run up against some crazy limitations. But your description of like going through and wanting to, I mean, once, I mean, I think about what Lightroom did 10 years ago where Lightroom, you could just go through and say like, okay, all that crazy stuff I did to that photo, do that to this photo. And you would just do that. And with with uh, with the photos app, it just feels like it's. Uh, how did you describe it? I mean, it really is like you know so you're walking g- walking through a waist deep molasses, or like you know trying to pop your corn one kernel at a time, and you got to put it in a separate bowl. It's like it's just it's so much clicky draggy. Ugh, it's the worst. I had, I had a long session with that over Labor Day weekend because I was trying to I was trying to I'm looking into the books again. You know the books that they will make for you of your photos. I mean, you can just go to some third party site and do it. But I figured, let me let me try photos. Let me try the books things that are in there. Uh, and that two new photos annoyances came to light during this because I had never done books before. First one, it's not really related to books, but I think this is the first time that I was starting to get extra frustrated with m- my normal workflow is to go through photos and if they need to be edited, go into the stupid edit mode and click to disclose the million different tools I need to edit them, right? And just repeat it. But I had mostly had a set of edited photos, but there were a few I wanted to tweak in in a more or less known way and what i wanted to do was enter edit mode by disclosing the edit tools on the right hand side and then use the arrow key on the keyboard to go to the next image and then manipulate the sliders in the way i knew i wanted to manipulate them and then go to the next image and repeat that process which already is a terrible thing to do because the computer should be doing this for me but the real problem was uh, the reason i wanted to be in edit mode and go to the next photo is that every time i went to the next photo i didn't want to have to reactivate edit mode but Something about edit mode was stealing my right arrow key press eventually. So I'd have to leave edit mode, hmm. hit the right hand arrow and re-enter edit mode because it cu- I couldn't arrow through the photos while in edit mode if I manipulated one of the controls. I think it's because like the control was taking over the arrow keys and it wanted me to be able to manipulate yeah. the numbers in the arrow. But there was no focus ring. And since they're not standard controls, you can't tell what the hell's going on. It was on. like changing modes on you. Yeah. So it just so the arrow keys just stopped working. But, but the real one that was driving me nuts was when I was doing the uh, the book. Like, so I, I don't, I couldn't quite figure out how the books work. I think it's basically you have to either have a selected a bunch of photos or have an album selected. And then you say new book and it takes your current selection, which is a common uh, paradigm in photos. It, it makes the new thing with your current selection. Yeah. Like you say, like new, like new album with selection. Right. And this was like new book and, it, but it's not with, you know, it's implicitly with selection. I think you can add photos to the book too, but I'm not sure. But anyway, it, you know, so I had a bunch of photos that I wanted to add. And it shows you're, you're making your book and it's got the pages on the top part of the screen. And along the bottom, there is a maybe one centimeter high, uh, completely horizontal strip of all the images that you can pick. And you have pop-up menus to say, show me either the images I have placed in the book 
or the images I have yet to place in the book. So I'm in the beginning, I'm showing have yet to place because I haven't placed any in the book. And these are very small thumbnails, so small that you can't see what the photos are and you can't preview them. The only way to preview them is to begin a drag operation onto a page and then it zooms to like medium size under your cursor. So what I would do is, is that the one that I want? Because there's lots of similar pictures. I would drag it out and it would zoom a little bit and I could look at it and then I'd put it back. Drag it out and it would zoom a little bit. This would be solved by having an ability to preview with the space bar or letting me make that one centimeter high thing maybe an inch high or two right. inches high instead of one but centimeter, like, but no. More like a traditional palette, right? Yeah, not, not resizable. So anyway, I'm doing this. I'm placing photos in the pages, placing photos in the pages. The, the interface is not great. There's a bunch of things I complain about there, but I was like, whatever, I'll just muddle through. This is how it is, right? Uh, at least it has a thing that shows me my unplaced photos, so I won't accidentally place the same photo multiple times. I get to the end of the line. Like, there's a line of icons, and there's a huge scroll bar because there's like 200 icons, uh, 200 images, and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to put them all in. I get to the end, I'm like, okay, I got to place some more images. So I, I move the scroll thumb horizontally, mm-hmm. and then the next set of images there. And I take one of the images, and I drag it up, and I put it in the page. As soon as I place another image, the scroll bar slaps back to the left. And I'm back at the first image again. What? Every time I tried to select something from that bottom thing, it would scroll back to the beginning. And then I would have to scroll to the right to find the part where I left off, like where I last dragged that image from, right? Right. It was, it, and 90% Why do you, why do you think this, it does that? It's a bug. But 90% of this was off the screen, right? So I had to spend the whole rest of the time placing images. It was like scroll, 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 find the place like where, where I last picked an image was, grab an image, place it, Go and now I just scroll the way to the left again and go back. Like, hmm. is every corner of this application has something to make not just like oh my workflow is less efficient. This is just it's like, it's like it's like somebody hasn't tested it. It's like a practical joke. It's like uh, I I don't even know where this bug could come from because under uh, why is there even code to uh, to programmatically scroll that view back to the left? Why does that even exist? Like, is it just resetting because an item has been removed? Yeah, and their collection view is like resetting to the original court. I don't. Don't, I don't even understand it. It makes me sad. And bugs like that, that make, you know, not like, oh, someone really sweated over every detail. It's like, not only did they not sweat over every detail, the very, very basics of using a way too small, non-resizable, only horizontally scrolling, tiny thumbnail thing. Like, all of that is like by design bad. And it doesn't even work, right? And it doesn't even work right. And you take it and then it, it automatically scrolls itself back. It's made me very sad. And then, and then at the end of it, my book cost a hundred dollars. So. Oh, Jiminy Cricket! I didn't order it. The, the one there. that gets the one that gets me so like what you're describing there is that, like, let's even set aside the whole like we we grab some people at a mall in Missouri and ask them to use this and we watch them. Okay, maybe that's not something you're interested in doing. But even just to call the features complete, somebody will have had to go through there. One imagines to make and buy that book probably dozens of different people or times that's happened, right? Cause you got to test that whole, that's actually, I mean, I, I imagine a relatively complicated thing. There's the transaction part. There's all the connections, however it connects up. So like, I mean, how could anybody make even the smallest book with the smallest number of photos and not be immediately affected by that? Yeah. With the tiny, with the tiny thumbnails, like that seems like even if you just said five photos, but it's clear they don't want you to make a book with a lot of photos, but I didn't. I didn't want to make a book with three hundred photos. I wanted to make a book with around a hundred photos selected from a, a group of three hundred, right? Right. And that seems like a common case, but you can't select from photos, if, especially if it's like, oh, here's these three people, and I have three different shots of them. You know, they're all sitting, smiling, looking at the camera. It was a posed photo, right? Which one is the one I like the best? Yeah. 
The only way you can tell is to drag it up into the page, switch views, look at the one you like. And then the thing is, when you drag a different one up or drag it back down, it goes back down with the other thumbnails. And you, now you can't tell which was which again. So you end up dragging the same photo up to the page multiple times. You look at, wait a second, that's the same photo there, isn't it? It's maddening. Uh, and when I was done, I had a 100-page book that cost me about $100. Did you buy it? No, it's still sitting there. Uh, I'm debating winnowing down the number of pages. They want you to make like a 20-page book for like... 20 bucks and like each additional page is like 89 cents or I don't know. I don't yeah. know how the math works out, but I might change the book format or size. Oh, that's great. That's another great thing with the books. You can pick different uh, themes, I think they call them. And the themes they show you, they have names and they show you the cover image. Like, you know, the big picture is the name of one of the themes and it shows you a sample. This is what it looks like on the outside. Like the cover is entirely a picture and it's got text on the bottom, right? Mm-hmm. But you have to guess based on the name the big picture. What is this going to look like on the inside? I think it's probably going to have big pictures, but I'm not sure. The only way to find out is to take a book, change it to that theme, then bring up the palette that shows you the different page layout <laughs> options, and then in the in the page layout palette, you can say, oh, this supports full page image, one image next to another side by side, a big image and two small images, right? But there's no way to tell when you're selecting a theme to apply to a book what kind of layouts it provides. You have to apply the thing and look at the palette. So I'm going through these things one at a time, Trying to memorize, like, okay, you know, modern, you know, contemporary, whatever, looks has these possible layouts. And the big picture has these possible layouts. And just, it's like, I'm supposed to select a book style from this screen, and you're not going to show me what the book will look, you know, what what the options are for this other than the cover? It's it's maddening. Like, I, I don't I don't understand how they expect anyone to to use this tool successfully without this kind of trial and error, you know, let me just try every single... Uh, format for this book and look at every layout and memorize them all and then make a decision about which layout I want. So this one has the cover I don't like, but the three page uh, page layouts that I do like, this one has the cover that I like, a one page layout that I like, but one that I don't like, and I just won't use that one. Very frustrating. But like you compare that to something like, uh, they're not a sponsor as far as I know, but you compare that to something like ordering a fracture, which I, I was ready to, I guess I haven't done a lot of stuff with printing out photos in that way in a long time, but like I've, I, I found their website very, very easy to use. And it was very, very easy to go, okay, you want to make one? Do this, put it there. Boom, boom, doop, make this size. Oh, that's not big enough. Make that square. Do, 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 do. Just a total joy to, to use. And then you're done. It goes, you want to make another one? I'm like, oh, yeah, that was fun. I want to make another one. Whereas with something like what you're describing, I, I don't, I'm not trying to make this about the canonical, like grandma, grandpa, you know, old mom, but like you, somebody would go in and like maybe really want to spend a lot of time getting that a certain way. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? If you think about the way, so it's the first time you've ever done this. I want to go play with this app. I want to get this book printed out. You might sink a lot of time and effort into doing that. Now, when you go and preview those other looks, does that disrupt the organization that you've done completely, or does it just kind of change the frames and move stuff around a little? It tries to. It, I guess one of the things you can credit it with is it doesn't say, oh, "Sorry, you picked a format for this book. We can never change it again." It lets you change both the size of the pages and the layout. Uh, and it tries to take your previous layout and put it into the new one, but yeah, it is a destructive operation. I think you can't round trip successfully. That's why you have to make a. That's why you have to make a test book, and all you do in that test book with three photos is cycle. I mean, if I was trying to explain this to another person, I'm going to say, "Here's how you make a book in photos." The first screen you're presented with. First, I have to explain to them how you can't make a new book. You have to select the images first. Maybe you can drag them into the book. I couldn't figure it out, but anyway, I would say, "All right, you make a new book, and the first screen you get is." Pick a style for the book, pick a theme for the book or whatever. And here are all the themes. And uh, they would see all the themes 
And then I would say, just pick the one you want. And they would say, well, how do I tell which one I want? And then I have to explain, well, each one of these books has a set of three or four different layouts that you can choose for each page. And they would say, well, what are those layouts? I said, the only way you can tell is to pick one. Then open this palette, and then it will show you tiny thumbnails of the different layouts. So just do that for every single layout until you find the layout that you want or you memorize the lines that you like. Then go back and make your real book. Yeah, that's no good. That should that should be fun and not scary. And I'm just and here's some dumb examples. But like I don't have that in front of me right now. But in, in examples like that that I've seen, you'll frequently see things like, uh, okay, and now here's a two-page layout. Like on this page, on the left, you've got three photos that are askew. And on the other page, you've got two photos that are askew. And like, you know, dumb stuff. Like if there's, if there's, you know, three kids, you might want to have them in those three on this side, or there's the dog and the cat over here. And there's all these kinds of things like, you know, you wouldn't want that to get messed up. You, you lose trust in the system when you were making a, your own version of an artistic decision that then gets overrided by the program. Other sites that are not as constrained by whatever the heck is constraining Apple's design these days, like, for example, Shutterfly or something, there's no reason that this book layout can only have either one image on a full page or two images side by side. There's Why can't every layout be available in every book? Now, I understand the idea of a theme, like, okay, this book has a theme, and every one of the layouts reflects that theme of, like, thin lines between images or something like that. Fine, fine, whatever. But all I'm saying is, if two books are identical except for they just have different possible layouts why shouldn't the superset of layouts be although sorry this one can only do two photos side by side it can't do three mm-hmm. why can't it do three there's another book theme that's exactly like this except it offers three but no this this book theme cannot do three i'm sorry it can only do one and two why can't you do top and bottom no sorry you can't do that in this theme. like they should all be available when you go to shutterfly you you can do a, a tremendous number of layouts on every single customize every single page it just ugh. i should just do i mean and again these things like shutterfly those are websites like, those are websites doing photos. Those aren't ideal either. Those are a little bit frustrating to have their own way, but it's a web application. I give some forgiveness. This is a big, fancy native application. So, yeah, the, the books thing is not confidence-inspiring. It's not making me say, this is going to be a super high-quality book, and I want to order it. But I, I probably will anyway. We'll just see how. Maybe I'll shrink the book down to try to make the, the cost go down. But I got I inspired myself to do it talking about photos on the last ATP, uh, that I, I should print more photos and have them more readily available in the forum yeah. where people can look at them. And so I uh, took a lot of nice pictures on my uh, various Long Island vacations. I have, you know, winnowed down libraries of favorites for every year going back many, many years. So in theory, I could make at, at one of these books for every year that we've gone there. Uh, and so I started with the most recent year just because they're the nicest pictures and I can see how it looks. But didn't pull the trigger on buying it. So we'll see. Maybe I'll just take the same photos and upload them to Shutterfly and get a book there. We'll see. I was hoping that I could say, well, what I was thinking was, you know who I'll bet is really good at this for a variety of reasons uh, is Google Photos because Google Photos makes some pretty game guesses at stuff you might find interesting. It's, you know, sometimes it's a hit and a miss, but you you do Google Photos, right? I know Casey does. Yeah, but I I can't I can't let it. I mean, it always it's always sending me emails notifications about how it has assembled something for me. That's really cute. Like you get the Father's Day one and stuff like that. It knows you. It knows your kids. No, you don't. Maybe you don't understand how many photos I take. You take like, a lot it, of photos, right? And I know which ones I like of the eight thousand pictures that look identical. But Google Photos doesn't know. Like mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. have. That's why I have my favorites collections in photos. I winnow the collection down to the ones I like, and then I edit them. And that, that's where you. That's and, where you put the effort, and that's what the highest quality is. So that might as well be where you try to make a book. 
Right. And unfortunately, as far as I'm aware, there's no way to convey that information to Google Photos. No way to say, by the way, you imported these from Photos, and in Photos, this was a favorite. What I wouldn't give for Photos to understand what I have marked as a favorite in Photos, because then I could go to Google Photos and say, show me just the favorites. And if Google Photos understood that, mm-hmm. it would have a fighting chance of it. Look, if it's not a favorite, don't try to put it into a collage or something, because I'm I'm pretty I'm not stingy with the favorites. It's like a favorite is a good photo that I like, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a million other surrounding photos that I should probably delete some of, but because they're in focus, I'm not going to. <laughs> like, right, right, right. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it's all it's all about the favorites. But uh, Google Photos has no idea about the favorites. So every time it does a collage, it's like, oh look, that's the one where I was holding the camera crooked, and that person wasn't smiling, and someone's eyes are closed. Great, why did you pick that one? Well. Uh, actually, this isn't that good, so I'm not going to recommend it. You pick a bunch of photos. I figured it would be good at saying, like, give me good photos. What it knows if it, I mean, Google Photos seems to understand that there's this one person who I have 10 times more photos of than anybody else. And I think it understands my relationship with that person. And it knows, like, it's good, you know, if there's a ton of photos of this person, and it's obviously your kid, like, bubble that stuff up. It bubbles up a lot of cat photos and stuff like that. But the book itself is basically you pick 20 or more photos and then it puts one per page. So not very interesting. That's more or less what I did in my thing anyway. I like I just had one photo on each. I, I ended up going with a layout that was like every page is an entire photo from edge to edge. Like because that was just I, I couldn't the layouts were not, you know, and, and the problem with the pages is they're not the same uh, aspect ratio oh, as the as the photos. So I, every image is going to be implicitly cropped. So I had to pick photos that looked good with a crop that is less wide. Than- okay, so I go and I say create book. We got square, classic, and soft cover. Oh yeah, these are different. All right, I'm going to do 13 by 10 classic. What's involved with that? Oh, I see. It's like iMovie. You got to pick a little theme boy, and I'll mm. say I want portfolio. What is that? What kind of pages do you get there? You'll find out once you select it. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And the palette changes modes, too. It's a single palette, but uh, it changes okay. modes. What, what is it showing you? See if you can figure out how to zoom an image. You know, I'm going to close this. I don't want to look at this. Okay, <laughs> I don't like that. Okay, what is this he sent me? That's, I, I went to Google Photos, and this is what I see <laughs> at, the top of, at the top of Google Photos. <laughs> some beautiful uh, some drawings. Is that uh, your daughter's drawings? Yeah, she did some comics. She, I should did, zoom she in totally I did should, some comics. I should do a minute. I gave her understanding comics uh, several years say, ago. I was going to say, it looks like she's read some Scott Scott McCloud. Is that his name? Yeah, yeah. I gave her that book years ago, and it just sat in her room. And I'm like, this 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 book will have it. This is very, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not, not diverse. It's not, it's it's not, it's, uh, this comic is not well written, but it is uh, nicely drawn. <laughs> and you have a picture of a very sweet kitty cat. Look at that kitty cat. It's a terrible creature. Is that the worst picture of her you've seen? That's probably the worst picture of her you've seen. It's pretty bad. I've seen a lot of similar post-haircut pictures. (laughs) She just looks like a hideous, just horrible beast and just like angry and wet and just miserable. Yeah. Also, I used um, I used uh, I used Google or used uh, Snapseed to pop up the structure and the ambience to give her a little bit more texture. Mm -hmm. She looks she looks raw and like uh, sort of braided. Like just red and throbbing, and it looks like, like one like, of those pictures you see on Tumblr—the before picture of this cat was abandoned in a mine. Now, yeah, yeah. now look what she looks like. The the, the rat tail, the just the terrible pink <laughs> hair covered sausage tail. And you see her gut. You know she's got yep, this yep, gut yep. hanging down. Yep, and and the tail so that seems to get thicker towards and the end. Her instead hump. Of she's thinner. got a hump. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. this is called a lion cut. 
<laughs> lion cut. By the no, way, we are don't offici- let anyone tell are, you this is a cut of we, any kind. We are officially severing ties with the cat lady. This is a separate issue. We got some issues with the cat whoa, lady. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Which cat lady? The lady who does this to your cat? The la- there's the lady who does this to our cat, and then there's the people who come and look at our cat when we're out. We're, we're relatively satisfied. <laughs> with the- look at your cat. They just come in the house and say, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? So I'm not going to post this because I'm not crazy. But basically, this is right after she came out. And she did a particularly crappy job this time. She didn't even really, like, she didn't make any attempt to dry her. Her little boots are filthy and, like, picking up dirt as she's walking around. And she looks, she looks like a rejected Dr. Seuss character. I like the sort of the slightly less deeply shaven tufts on the side. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it was a Friday afternoon. She's busy. Yeah, we're severing ties with her. It's just, uh, it's no good. Yeah. She, she, uh, yeah, she's very hard to deal with, and she chides us a lot every time. Every time, so the first time we we used her, she, she, first of all, she tells us everything we're doing wrong, including just a lot of her own opinions about things. Mm-hmm. And invariably, she'll say, uh, "And uh, just say, you know, I found a flea." And we're like, "Oh my god, you found a flea! Oh my god!" So we rush our cat to the vet, and the vet goes, "Uh, there's exactly one flea on your cat." And I said, "Huh." Because she's never had a flea before, and she's, they said, well, you know, if you got a cat grooming van, there's a pretty good chance there's probably some fleas in there. Literally every time she comes to shave the cat, she tells us that the cat has a flea. And, and literally every time I say, she only gets those fleas when she's in your little van. This lady comes in a van? She sure does. Yeah. She, that doesn't... She also has like alternate identities. I think she's very concerned about her privacy. So you always get these calls from an unidentified number when she's real, real, real sketchy about stuff. And then she also, she has like a quote unquote assistant. Plus she has this automated service and she refers to them like they're people who work for her. I'm pretty sure it's all her. Yeah. And she's got a van. (sighs) She's got a van. Oh, this doesn't sound good. No, we're we're gonna change, but it's convenient. She drives her van out to the house, and she you know shaves the well, cat. You, you need to crowdsource this. You need to find other people in the neighborhood who have cats. What kind of person do they like for their cat? Well, I'll tell you what. We we ran into one of the other moms from uh, preschool, and we happened cat to mention. Mom? Well, we happened to mention, and 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 this this woman, one of the moms we knew from preschool. You know what she said about this lady? She used an obscenity, and she said, "I stopped using her years ago." I think she's not very nice to the cats. And I I, 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 I couldn't prove it, but just based mm. on dealing with her as a person, I could imagine her not being that nice to the cats. I See, I had projected onto her unfairly, boo on me, diminished expectations. I figured she's a real weirdo who has trouble talking to people and does not know how mean and like angry and surly and like, but you think she's nice to the cats? I exactly. This is my diminished expectation. Mm. So that's probably because she's a cat person. Isn't mm, that ugly no, of me to think that? No. What if she's just a bad person? Yeah. Can't she just be a bad person? Does she have to also be a cat person? She can be a bad person and a cat she person. Could, look what she did. Look at that precious angel. Look at that face. Look at that face. Okay, so you sent me the whole cartoon. I, I you know, I don't want to critique the cartoon. Oh, they're these frogs. They're really cute. Yeah, but no, but look at uh, ignore the other content. Look at the panel structure. She's got silhouettes. She's got the. She's uh, being uh, creative with the layout. You see the one with the angled lines and the in the above and below. Uh, oh, it's uh, subtitles. Like it's that's a lot. She's of, using uh, all the techniques, and she's like yeah. she's using. Um, what, what's the term? What's the fancy term for comics? Uh, sequential art is what she's making. She's telling a yeah. story. It's really good. God, your kid's talented. I want a talented kid. Uh, well, the story's not very good, so don't read the words. All right, I won't. But the frogs are cute.
This episode of Reconcilable Differences is brought to you in part by our friends over at Hover. Building your online identity has never been more important, and with Hover, you find the domain that shows the world who you are and what you're passionate about. I've been with a lot of domain registrars over the years, probably over 20 years now. Hover is far and away my favorite, hands down. More than any other company I've used, Hover is single-mindedly focused on making my life easy, and I really trust them. They don't try to shovel a lot of goofy nonsense into your cart. They don't try to nag you or hypnotize you with their rings. No, they just make it astonishingly easy to get the domain that you want, protect your privacy, and just get back to the life. Yeah, your actual life. Real, the real one you actually live. No goofs, no games, no acting all lame. They're just going to have to run with that. The great thing about Hover is they allow you to keep your domain separate from your hosting so you never have to get stuck with a hosting service that doesn't meet your needs. Other stuff about Hover, they have best-in-class customer support. So great. Free who is privacy so those bad guys don't get your information. If you want to show the world what you're passionate about, Hover's there to help you make that step. So head on over to hover.com slash diffs, that's D-I-F-F-S, and that will get you 10% off your first purchase. Our thanks to Hover for supporting Reconcilable Differences and all of Relay FM. Wow, we're an hour in. Mm-hmm. That was good. That was mm-hmm. gold. Gold, Jerry, gold. Mm-hmm. We're going through uh, Seinfeld right now. We're up to uh, up to season eight. Yeah, I, you know, I still don't quite understand how you're navigating this with a 10-year-old. We just, did, uh, we just did the checks. Uh, the episode with... Uh, <laughs> I was so proud of myself that I remembered and could quote along the phrase, it's so... Uncarl Farbman like, you know, with a uh, long duck dong in the drawers with his buddies, and, uh, mm-hmm. the, and Jerry's got to sign all the checks. Mm-hmm. 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 Is that are you uh, before or after the uh, tip calculator? Uh, oh, I think that's a good deal earlier. Mm-hmm. I think so. That that is that is. A, I'm wondering how that aged now. I mean, maybe it works better because we all have smartphones. But like, oh, it was, no, it was no, at no. a certain time when we were like in the. In the sort of nerds know what a PDA is and maybe have one, but no one else does, where it totally works where you get the thing and it's, you know, what does it this do? This is when his father has like the Franklin Planner thing, right? Yeah. And, he, and it's a tip calculator. It's, 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 yeah, the right. one thing he knows how to do with it is you, you can calculate the tip, but the Jerry is insisting that it does other things. Right, right. Well, there are there are plenty of references that make absolutely no sense to her, and I don't explain it because nobody ever explained it to me, and I enjoy things in life. But you know, sometimes I'll explain a little bit. I explained a little. What did I explain? Uh, uh, oh, I had to explain that there was a famous singer named Kenny Rogers who started uh, a chain of chicken stores <laughs> on no sleep. <laughs> um, but uh, no, but for example, in the one with the checks. Which is, you know, this is, that is really, you could almost peg that as the episode when the show got a little silly and got little, you know, a little, little silly. But How um, does that one end? I seem to remember the silly things, they would have a very absurd ending. It ends with the wonderful George Wallace, who I follow on Twitter, where George Wallace is a, uh, is a doctor examining Jerry's hand. Mm-hmm. And then he hears witchy woman and gets distracted. Mm-hmm. Witchy woman. Uh, yeah, but so, and the, the running, one of the running bits was that Elaine's boyfriend, the Carl Farberman guy, uh, is looking down his nose at Jerry because Jerry's ha- apartment is so un-Carl Farberman-like and he mm-hmm. doesn't even have a decent desk and he has these 12 cent checks. And at one point he says something about faxing him something and it's like, oh, he doesn't even have a fax machine. It's like, <laughs> ugh, it's so unfancy, which is true. The first thing I did when I set up one, well, the first thing, one of the first things I did when I set up a home office, when I was working remotely was to get a fax machine. 
It just seemed like the thing that would make it an office. Yeah, you'll need that anytime you do any business with a bank, right? Because they need those faxes. Sure. It's the new uh, Microsoft Office. Office, you know, it's lawyers and accountants. Was the check uh, episode the one? It's got that phrase. The only one of the phrases that reminded me of your very unique thing, where mm-hmm. uh, Uncle Leo's yelling that she's on a very fixed income. Oh no, it's not that episode. <laughs> She's not on a very fixed income. It's very fixed. She's not on a fixed income. She's on a very fixed income. We just had the one where the thing exploded and he had the painted on eyebrows. Mm-hmm. Season eight is weird. It's the one, it opens with, no spoilers, but it opens with uh, the foundation. Remember that episode? No, I don't know. So basically at the end of season seven, uh, Susan has the incident oh, with the, the envelopes. Fa- foundation because of the envelope <laughs> thing, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> I was thinking of the foundation of a house, yeah. You know, we talked about this on our special episode uh, of, let's talk a little bit about Seinfeld on there. But, you know, I got to say, there's a lot about that show that really does still stand up. I I think even as much as I've, many times as I've watched that show, I, I'm still, still re-appreciating what a gifted physical comic Michael Richards is. He is really, his physical comedy is very, very accomplished. But even just the little things, like when they go, they go into the stationery store to look at invitations, George is just dreading getting married. And they take out the giant book of invitations, and he's like, ugh. It's like they're in order by, they're in order by uh, cost, you know, the, the mm-hmm. more expensive at the front. And he just, he grabs, grabs to the last page and just goes, flunk. <laughs> it's such a great visual bit. I don't know. I think that show's still funny. Maybe it's just because I'm, you know, old. But uh, it's... And they're not all great, but there are still so many great bits on there. Yeah, I'm wondering if like that that's the type of thing where eventually the format will age it for people so they can't tolerate it to, to you know, just the, the format is such a, a sort of a, a relic that they can't get through to the jokes. Well, so it was so fresh and unusual at the time, right? I mean, it was I actually I'll try to find this for notes. I watched a basically one hour documentary last night about it's called Seinfeld the early Seinfeld the beginning and it's just lots of interviews with people from the show about just the ridiculous number of ways this thing shouldn't have been on the air basically but you know talking about how they wanted to do this different kind of show and Larry David being the George Costanza character is just so adamant about all the things he refuses to do and they wanted to just make these extremely minor changes but he he wanted the show to be exactly as weird as it was he would not he would walk away from the show if they made him do anything that was less weird than what he wanted. The best part of Larry David is like that George was the, uh, like the nicer version, like the, the, the the kinder, gentler, uh, more likable version of of him. So when he got to do curb, you're like, wow. Yes. (laughs) That's unadulterated, pure Larry David. Well, this, this is a twice told tale. And I don't know how much of this is, you know, after the fact stuff, but a story I've heard many times and I heard again in this documentary last night was when Jason Alexander says when he came in to do the reading, he ended up, he, he saw that Larry Miller was there and he knew Larry Miller was really good friends. I love Larry Miller. Larry Miller was really good friends with Jerry Seinfeld. He's like, Oh, there's no way I'm going to get this role. He, he'd done a, a reading on video where he basically did it as Woody Allen. And he said his Woody Allen impersonation must've been really bad because they thought it was great and didn't realize he was basically doing Woody Allen. But the story goes like fairly early on, I'm sure you've heard this fairly, fairly early on. There was a point where he says to Larry David, who was um, not just the showrunner, but you know, one of the big writers, he said, look, this is ridiculous. There's nobody that would ever 
be in a situation anywhere like this. Like, how would you even play this? He's like, yeah, that's a situation that happened to me. You know, that that's when he realized that he had to be doing him, basically be doing Larry. Yeah. But, and it amazes me that that wasn't like the intention it seems from the like that beginning. Would be so obvious. Yeah. That's why I say it sounds a little. I mean, they cast the guy who looks like, <laughs> looks like that. I mean, that's right. You get the, I mean, he's, he's short instead of tall, but he's got the bald head and he's just, he's the same, uh, you know, maybe, maybe it eventually his, he realizes he's doing Larry David. He's doing it, but even from the beginning, I feel like there is clear that they're the same from the same the same person. This is his uh, avatar in the world of Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah. Ah, it's a funny show. Kid loves it. We laugh and laugh. Um, what's up with your mice? What are you dealing with? It's kind of a long. I don't know. Is it a long war against the mice? It is a series of wars. Like you're never fighting the same mice for long, buddy. I, I think they're. I think they're sending in replacements. Yeah, you're not. You're not you never, you never, you never step in the same mousetrap twice. They say, "Yeah, yeah, Heraclitus." Um, so yeah, so well, something. I think I heard probably my freshman year at BU. Some person said every old building in Boston has mice, and I would amend that by removing the word "old." <laughs> You're never more than three feet from somebody's reckon about pests. Yeah, because. I think it's true that every, for certainly in the city, every building has mice, right? I mean, and and not just mice. Like they're I mean, you work your way up to the rats and the the, the large. There's so much conventional wisdom about this, though, John. There's so much like folklore about this. Like the thing they would say in Florida, Florida is like for every roach you see, there's whatever six you don't see. Mm-hmm. If you see one, you got to multiply that, right? There's all everybody's got all these, or like oh, the number is more rats than people in Manhattan and stuff like that. There's so much lore about that, right? But there but there is something to that because these creatures tend not to they don't want to be seen by you very often they're nocturnal so they're out when you're asleep uh and so if you do happen to see one that's probably a bad sign um but yeah they were all over every building at BU uh certain times of night walking through the alley between uh Cummington Street and Warren Towers you'd be guaranteed to see a couple of your favorite. I mean, are they the same rats? You can't tell from a distance. It's hard to tell. They would always, they would always run across from the dumpster to, you know, wherever they're going. Like, because they'd hear you coming and they'd want to bail or walking in front of, uh, what we, what we knew as CLA. What is it now? Is it CGS now? Anyway, the big long building that you walk through when it's too cold to walk outside at a certain time of night, you'd see the rats run, I guess from the street into the little ground cover plantings there. Big, big rats. We're not talking about that. We're talking about inside the buildings. Tiny little, I don't yeah. know, you call house house mice or whatever. Very small gray things. Every job I've ever had in the Boston metro area, if I've been in the office late at night for some reason and no one else is there and it's quiet and you're just there at your computer, you'll catch the motion out of the corner of your oh, eye. No, you'll look up. Really? And across the way at the other side of the cubicle farm or open office seating or down the hallway or whatever, trotting across the carpet, another one of those little mice <laughs> if you leave food in the office yep uh they'll they'll get to it um and so yeah I, I truly believe that every building in the boston metro area has mice including my house we bought a house uh this first house we own still we're still living in it and we very quickly found that we had mice and we kind of knew where they were coming from and how they were quote unquote getting in doesn't take much no, another piece another piece of lore I've heard it said that with most animals, if they can get their head through it, their whole body will fit through it. Oh, yeah. These are tiny. These little house mice are tiny, right? So, right. but 
like it's kind of it was kind of a blessing there was like underneath our sink there was like a hole in the the back of the the kitchen cabinets and you could see all the little mouse turds around there and it's like well that mice must be coming up through that hole and doing whatever and laying their little turds uh so we want to get rid of these mice i don't know if i i told you specifically about this story before maybe even said on the podcast but who knows you'll hear it again uh this is very early on so like all right we got we got a hole we got the mice coming up through the hole. Mm-hmm. We want to get rid of these. We're new homeowners. What are we going to do? So I had seen in my, <laughs> how, how do, what do I know about catching mice? All I knew is everything I learned by being an employee in companies where the, they have mice in these buildings and they would hire someone to come in and they would put out glue traps for the mm-hmm. mice at work. And we'd see the glue traps during the day. And then like the next day they'd be gone or new ones would be there. And we're like, I don't know. I presumably work is paying someone to come in to get rid of these mice for them. And they're putting down these glue traps. And so maybe I'll get some glue straps for the mice. So I got some glue traps. <laughs> we knew the mice are coming. It's a little hole in the back of my cab. Uh, you know, I was under literally underneath my sink, like in that place where you keep all of the poisonous stuff with the child lock on it. And we see the little hole and I put a bunch of glue traps in front of the hole. And, you know, then you wait and you come down the next morning. And sure enough, doesn't take long flopping around on the glue trap. Oh, you can't unsee that. And so you take the traps. I would take it was during the winter. You take the traps, take them outside and throw them away. And presumably the mice freeze to death as they starve to death on the glue traps or whatever. It's really it's really horrible. Right. And so I'm like, okay, well, there was like three mice in that trap. And I thought there was one mouse running around. And for everyone you see, there's three you don't. So whatever. Put a glue trap down. The next day, come back in. A couple more mice. Oh, God. Out, out in the garbage. Put a new glue trap down. The next day, come back down. A couple more mice. After I'd gone through what must have been like 50 mice. Like, like day after day after day after day. Fresh glue trap. I'm, I'm running out of money on glue traps. I'm buying I'm buying too many glue traps. They're, they're, they're not cheap. And also, you're the butcher at this point. You're taking out the bodies every day. Yeah. This is this is like, it's, it's, you know, so <laughs> it's, it's like this is not working. Because I don't know how many mice there are. Are they reproducing as fast as I can put down glue traps? Because every single day, fresh mice on the traps. Out they go. And, and, and when, that, when I've gone through this, my thinking is, you know, frequently enough, like it will be one or two. It's just some stragglers passing by. But th- then you start to think, holy God, if these are the ones that are dumb enough to walk into glue, like how many of the smart ones are still here planning what to do next? Yeah, I mean, these traps have like some kind of bait on them. So there's a reason for them to go out and get it. The other animal that I knew we had, by the way, in the house is in the bulkhead that went down to the basement. That's where a snake lived. And oh I'm like, God. that's great. That snake should be keeping the stupid mice from my house because if a mouse tries to get in through the bulkhead, guess what? There's a snake waiting in there for him. But it's like a vegetarian snake. I don't know if he's not doing anything. So, so after the slaughter of untold numbers of mice and glue traps, I was like, all right, well, this, this isn't working. We need to do something. Let me call an exterminator. Call an exterminator. And I say, we got mice. Make mice go away from my house, please. Tired of finding mouse turds everywhere and seeing mice chewing on cereal boxes and just like, I don't want any more mice. Make them go away. And they give you, have you ever had a, a mouse exterminator come to your house? No, no. Uh, I mean, actually, you know what? I did I did one time and they mostly just scoffed at me about what I wasn't doing to cover every possible way the mouse could get in. They were just like, I can't help you, buddy. You, This is like... You would have to close up so many. I can, I can I can spray stuff around, but like, there's no way you could mouse-proof this garage. Here's your bill. So that's not, I've never seen that attitude from mouse exterminatory people. I've <laughs> seen pretty uniformly this: they come in and they say, 
No problem. We will take care of your mouse problem for you. You'll pass a huge amount of money. We'll be in your house. And for... it's a, usually a very much like they, they want to let you know this is going to be a long haul. No, they 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 want a, they want a one time payday. I, I've gotten quotes, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we'll do this, and then we'll come back. There'll be the traps, and there's usually a combination of a couple things that they're doing." But the, maybe maybe I just have terrible service people here. But I always feel like they really want to let you know this is going to be like a long haul effort. So you sound like you had two kinds. One is the kind who's like, I can't help you. You're doomed, right? And the other kind is like an actual real thorough person who's got like a plan, mm-hmm. which presumably will cost a lot of money. But what I've seen is they come in and they're like, all right, we'll take care of this for you. We're going to put traps in, in these various places. Not not traps. They're going to poison mm-hmm. these various places. Like a, tra- it, like a little maze that the, the thing goes into. Inside there is a thing that they eat uh, and that will poison them. And they have this thing. I have. I haven't bothered googling this because some. In some ways, I don't want to know. Some ways, I like it, sort of being the Schrodinger's cat of uh, of <laughs> urban legends. But they will tell you because you'll ask. You're like, all right, well, you're going to be poisoning a bunch of mice in my house. Isn't my house going to be filled with uh, rotting mouse bodies? Right. Right. And they will tell you, oh no, no, no. When they eat this poison, it will make them thirsty, and they will go outside to drink. And they will die out there, hmm. which is sounds like the biggest load of customer comforting BS that, that every single pest control expert has agreed upon at their pest control convention. It's like, look, I can think of a lot of houses, reasons it would look for a drink inside first, let alone start starting with the fact no, that it's no, not no, freezing. The poison makes them thirsty. Like, I've heard. Because, no, OK, now go back to that. I have heard the poison makes them thirsty. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard so, that. like, I mean, because the first question any homeowner is going to ask when you tell them you're going to poison a bunch of, of mice in their house is, I don't want dead mice in my house because dead things in my house can't can't be good. It can't smell good. I don't want that in my house. And so every, I think at the convention, like, there's, it's like the uh, Vatican II they must have had for, like, <laughs> the exterminators, like, 50 years ago, they said, look, everybody, we're all getting asked about the dead mouse bodies. We need to, st- to get a story and stick to it. The story's going to be... The poison makes them thirsty. They go outside. They die out there because a they like the idea of the poison not making them die in agony, but make them thirsty. And b they want to hear that the mice are leaving their house. So tell them they get thirsty. They go outside to get a drink. They die there. And I've heard that like when they say it now, like I know it's coming. I just mm-hmm, smile and not. Mm-hmm, yeah, they mm-hmm. they they put on that uh, that that coating back at the factory. I can't do anything about it. Yeah, uh, and sometimes they'll they'll offer it preemptively, like because I'm not asking the question anymore. They'll tell you, "Don't worry about the, don't worry about the, the mouse bodies. This makes them thirsty. They go outside." All right, but so here's the thing with the point, and they, I mean, the, the the one skill they're bringing is they know where to put the traps. Like to you know, here's where mice are going to go. They 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 know how mice work. They learn to think like the creature, right? They 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 know the psychology of mice. They don't even need the black light to show the little tiny trail that their balls make when they drag them across the ground. Oh, uh, the, the, the little urine trail. Do you know about that? <laughs> oh, like, heard, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> you, just, you just said balls. <laughs> Mouse balls. That's right. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So, and oh, so they, I see. They, 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 they walk the... and their little, their little balls drag behind oh, them. And they drag, oh, what a they day. drag through the, what a they day. Drag, yeah. And they drag through I'm their dragging balls here. <laughs> And so they leave a little trail of their own pee yeah. created by their balls dragging along. And you get a black light, you can see the little trail. Of they don't know that, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, they don't need to do that. They know where the mice are going to be. So the very first time I had someone do this, they put. we didn't have any pets at this point, and we didn't have any kids. So it's like, poison it up, man. <laughs> go go I, nuts. You know, put, these, put these boxes full of poison, and they put them everywhere. And guess what? Hmm. No more mice. 
no mouse turds, no more mice on the glue traps, which I still put out there because I'm like, look, if I want to tell if I have mice, I need to put a glue trap because for 700 days in a row, there's been a dead mouse in the glue trap. Well, you're saying this worked? This this worked? Absolutely worked. No more mice. It was wow. a total mice Armageddon. Okay, and just, and just the story's gone on for a while. This is in the early days of homeownership, before you had kids, yes. before you had pets. So so early days, big success. Now you, you've got it under your belt that if you have a mouse situation again, you call in the pros from Dover, they'll take care of it. Right. And so- we went a while. I'm like, good thing we solved that mouse problem. But if we're, like you said about the holes in the house, like our house is just made of holes, right? So eventually the mice return, uh, despite the snake growing to enormous size in our bulkhead. <laughs> how? how <laughs> yeah. I mean, am I an idiot? That, that just seems like a match made in nature. Like, doesn't it seem like the, the snake would just be going yard on some mice every night? I think there's a lot of mice. There's only so many mice that a snake can eat. And again, I think this might be the world's only vegetarian snake. <sighs> Like, I don't know if it's a vegetarian snake. I don't understand what's going on. It, it gets very large. Mm. So second round, it was a couple of years later. So we got a couple of year reprieve from the mice. This one found like the nest. Apparently the nest was in the bulkhead, a mouse nest or something. I was like, in, in the bulkhead with a snake? That bulkhead? And he said, oh, I didn't see a snake. Anyway, you see the snake skin stuck to the other side of our bulkhead. He found the nest. He got rid of that, put out more poison, a couple more years reprieve. Um, I also started plugging up the holes we had the big construction project done a lot of holes in the house were found then and filled with things the problem is the mice will eat through things so i'm i'm doing like all the more more sort of urban legend who brillo, knows brillo true. pads baby brillo yeah pads. brillo pads aluminum foil all sorts of metal things stuffed in holes and and you know actual wood put over holes and just generally sealing up our house better than it was before so we've been on a dry spell for mice but now they're back we went away on a long vacation for a couple weeks this summer and we came back and uh, it was mouse turds all over the top of one of our set of shelves. You had to clean all that stuff out. And guess what? They're back. And underneath the sink, they're back under the sink. How are they back under the sink? I thought it sealed up everything in there. You know, you can't do it. Uh, possible, Bob, point, right? point, of, point of information. Uh, just roughly speaking, as much as you can say, what's the general attitude about seeing a live mouse in the house for your various family members? Are, are some people more panicky than others? Because I, personally, I don't love it. I don't love seeing a mouse in the house. Is it something where, is it, is it, a, is it a freak out situation to know there even could be a mice, mouse in the house? So the only people who have seen a live mouse in the house are my wife and myself. Oh, good, good, good. So the kids haven't seen it. When we saw, uh, we were at various points when we were childless chasing a mouse around and it would hide under our couches. And that was a little, That's you know, fun. fun new house kind of thing. But it gets old fast. And eventually my wife's just like, these mice need to die. Like, you need yeah. to leave our house or they need to die, right? That's the Boston version of chasing a lobster around the kitchen. That's the way, that's the way people bond. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but it, it's behind the refrigerator. She doesn't, she does, that was good. She doesn't like, she doesn't like the mice. She get a little bit panicky about them, but eventually she gets, she wants to pursue them. I am more chill about them. I'm more upset about where they're pooping and what they're getting into than yes. me seeing them. So anyway, new, you know, so we, we know all the signs. We know where they are. We got a lot of mouse poop to clean. Uh, we know that we're never going to stop them from coming to these holes. It's time to get rid of them again. All right, but this time, having been through this rodeo a few times, mm-hmm. I said, "You know what? I I know I know what the deal is here. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't I, instead of paying umpteen bazillion dollars for a quote unquote pest control expert to come in and put the same traps in the same locations they always do, I can buy these traps. I mm-hmm. know what they look like. I know where to find poison that makes them thirsty. I'm making air quote signs here." right yeah and so i did i went on to amazon and i bought a bunch of child and pet proof uh mouse traps 
and huge buckets of poison to go into these reusable <laughs> traps. <laughs> you took it down to your lab? <laughs> And I assembled them, and I put them in places that the dogs can't get, my dog can't get to, and the right. children can't get to. Yeah. Uh, behind locked doors, way in the corner underneath cabinets that, you know, are too low for the dog to get underneath. In the basement on top of the little, you know, the foundation walls and all sorts of places. And I set them all up. I didn't even bother with glue traps because I don't want to deal with that. Uh, I cleaned off all the mouse turds, so I'll know if they come back. Right. Uh, and now we are just in a waiting phase. Oh, that's where you are right now. Yeah, so right now, uh, the traps are set. They've been there for a few weeks. As far as I'm aware, the mice have not returned to poop all over the place, but you hmm. got to wait. I mean, I, the, the mice are crafty. Like, the only reason they came back is we were out of the house for two weeks, and eventually they're like, you know what? This house isn't occupied. Let's go to town. All they need, it's uh, you know, it's so funny. The more I, I can't even believe how much lore I have about pests, because I'm thinking about the thing about, you know, an entire uh, squadron of uh, cockroaches could live off the back of a postage stamp for seven years. And you hear all this. I, I don't know if any of that is true, but, but I, I, I do feel confident just from our little bit of run-ins. I got a little bit of mouse follow-up here, but like we haven't had too much, but I know they go straight for, in our case, like the starchy cereals, like whether that's a bag of rice, some kind of, some kind of like, uh, like oats or whatever, that's frequently... I'm saying when you guys are out of town and there's nothing to stop them, they go in there. Well, that's going to be a buffet. They just need one tiny little hole in a bag of rice. And that's, that's a thing now. Now they're eating your rice. They, they made it to, we have a set of Ikea shelves that go almost to the ceiling. Like, yeah. enough, we, but there are things on top of the shelf. There's like enough room for like, it's like a foot between that and the ceiling. So we have some stuff way up there. They went to the very top shelf where we kept our uh, packages of ramen, like little single serving plastic, you know, rectangulars, uh, you know, plastic baggy things. Yeah. And they ripped a bunch of those open, uh, but mostly they, mostly they pooped in all the muffin tins that are up there. Oh boy! Like they love the muffin tins. They go into each little cup and lay eight thousand poops. Uh, they didn't get into that many food, but just into a little bit of it. But yeah, the whole top was was covered. But the thing they loved back in the day, we didn't have any kids. So I think this was the second round. We didn't have any kids, but we did have a dog, uh, and they would take the dog's food, which was, I mean, I guess we did, we had it in the bag that you buy it in the store, but we just, you know, crumpled yeah. it. We didn't have any kids that were going to get into it, and the dog didn't get into it. But the, the mice could get into it. And like years later, the dog is gone. Uh, I think we must have had kids at this point. We were like down in the basement. And I think we found like a like a tent pole. You know what a tent pole looks like? It's like hollow on the inside and it's capped on one end. Yeah. Right. And we tipped that over and out of the tent pole came a bunch of dog food. Oh. Because that's the mice taking the dog food from upstairs, bringing it down to their little domain oh, and going inside geez. the little tent pole and no, hanging out no, there. No, 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 no. Oh, I don't like that at all. S- same thing with the ski boots. We had some ski boots down oh, there in the no, basement that were not no, covered. No. Tip the ski boot over, yeah. dog food comes out. Oh, boy. Ooh. Oh, why is that even worse than poop to me? Oh, that's so strange. <laughs> like, this shows that they are taking stuff and being like, oh, and not just like they have to take one piece at a time. Yeah, unlike, unlike the Cylons, they actually do have a plan. Like yeah, they've got a thing going to, on. to take individual pieces of dog food down until 700 pieces are inside your your ski boot. Oh, uh, and this is probably an E.O. Wilson situation. They probably don't have to have meetings. They probably don't have to have Skype calls. They probably just know to go to the tent pole. Like somehow that gets identified with a certain smell. You know, and the, shoe, and the shoes and the ski boots, yeah, yeah. But like that's the E.O. Wilson thing with the ants is like it's chaos causes that. It's just that as more, I'm not a scientist, but as more <laughs> ants go in this one area that was successful, it you know increases the scent on that trail. I bet it's something similar to that. They say the dog food goes in the tent pole. Uh, bird seeds, another one, buddy. You got to watch out for the. They love bird seed. Yeah, we don't have any bird seed, luckily. But we have. If you have food that seems like bird seed, then that's a problem too. 
That's kibble to them. I'm trying to peg this. I'm pretty sure. So it's when we were living in the other place and with the neighbors that we hated. And, uh, you know, we'd had the occasional like mouse checking stuff out in the garage, but we were never by any means overrun at that point. But we did get a mouse in the kitchen running around. I I was going to say it's after my kid was born, but I'm pretty sure for this story to work in the way I'm thinking it's working, I'm pretty positive it's when my wife was pregnant. Because not only was there now, you see where this is going, not only now was there a mouse in our midst, we'd never had a mouse in the actual house proper, but now you got the concerns, right? Like the doctors say, like, seriously, mm-hmm. don't spend a ton of time in the garage if there's a chance there's mouse poop down there because of the toxoplasmosis. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in addition to which, I'm kind of a chicken, and I don't like being startled by animals. I, I don't mind them like I used to, but when I was a little kid, I was very scared of mice and rats. They don't, they don't bother me so much now. But, like, suddenly, there was no rat, or there was no mouse, and now there's mouse. Like, you're dealing with that. On top of which, my lady's, like, large with child. I don't like to mention this, because you're already going to get a lot of email. I might as well join you now in getting a lot of email. I did not go to the Bugs Bunny style traps that snap. Uh, I went straight to the thing that works, which is the glue traps. I hate to admit it, but I was a little panicky to like deal with it. And they were like disturbingly effective. Like, like I felt like I was using, it was the nuclear option. Like it wasn't even sporting for me to use these things. And they are so brutal. But at that time, I just felt so panicky about it. And I knew that they worked. But it's, really really troubling and cruel yeah. it's no, really yeah, no, troubling like, oh and did, i tell you i told this story before about the dishwasher it doesn't, it doesn't that was, just that was, lay there it doesn't just lay there like oh, it tries to jump and get itself no free. there's a good chance there's going to be a live tiny baby mouse in there that maybe tore its leg off yeah it's bad and, and they will chew it themselves and remember the there's my dishwasher thing like so they're under the sink right and the dishwasher uh like uh whatever we call that the hose that where the wastewater from the dishwasher goes, it usually connects up to the drain pipe under your sink. Like yeah. That's how the water gets out. And it is usually a very cheap plastic hose that snakes from your dishwasher to under your sink and connects through some terrible fitting into your drain area. And so the mouse is on the glue trap and it's flopping around, as you know they do. Like you can hear them sometimes for flap, for flap, for flap, for flap, because they're trying to jump free, but they're making the whole glue trap go up and down. Anyway, they're trying to do whatever they can to get out. And they're just they're just chewing because they're just mindless chewing machines. So they're just chewing and chewed a hole in the dishwasher, uh, you know, drain pipe. And so we ran the dishwasher and underneath our sink oh, filled with water. So now you got a dead mouse and water. So now I now I got a dead mouse and <sighs> and uh, like a waterfall coming out from under the sink. And and of course the hose is now has holes in it because they chewed holes in it. So now you got to take the whole dishwasher out, get a new <sighs> hose, put it through. I drilled a new hole higher up. So it was away from the glue trap. So when I put the new hose in, I snaked it through at a higher level. Nice. But then we got a new new dishwasher. And I looked underneath the new dishwasher. And the person who installed it, because I wasn't paying enough attention to them, put it through, even though I had a perfectly circular uh, hole where the drain hose goes through. And the old drain hose that they removed went through that hole. They didn't put it through that hole. They, they put, put it through, it through there. the lower one. Oh, so come anyway, on. I'm, I'm not using glue traps anymore, so I shouldn't have that problem. But these mice are walking right next to my... I, I raised it up a little bit and stuck it to the wall. But they're walking right next to my pipe if they had little brains that work they would say we can really screw this guy by just chewing a little hole in this pl- this cheap plastic pipe because next yeah. time he runs a dishwasher is going to be a waterfall coming out from under his sink and he's going to have to you know water further water damage his already water damaged house and take out the entire dishwasher 
which is a pain because he's got two layers of flora that make it not fit. Yeah, and if it was a sweet, if it was a sweet Don Bluth movie, maybe it would raise the tide of the water and they float away on that little glue trap and and mm. find a cure. Those are rats. Those are apparently much nicer and smart. What are you talking about? Are oh, you talking the about like, of, res- the rescuers? The rats of Nim. Rats of oh. Nim. Oh, I, Don, Don I, I was I was speculating about what did I say? Rescuers down under is that Don Bluth too? No, no, those are mice. But I was just speculating about a, a sweet hand animated movie about <laughs> glue trap. Yeah. Oh, it's so bad. It's the next Pixar movie. (laughs) Anyone can cook. It's called Stuck. 